0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church. Today is our final part of our five Week series or message series entitled Pray Like Jesus, where we have been examining the prayers of Jesus and more specifically how Jesus's prayer life should impact our prayer life. Last week, if you were here, and by the way, if you're new with us and you want to catch up on, on our messages. You can check out Facebook or YouTube, or we have a podcast on iTunes as well. You can listen to on your phone and catch up on this series. But last week we looked at Jesus' Gethsemane Prayer. This is Matthew chapter 26. And this is the prayer that Jesus makes. This is the prayer the, the prayer that we pray when life, life's troubles are all too overwhelming, where we find ourselves in just deep distress and we find ourselves wrestling with God for his will to be done. And in this prayer, if you remember Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and He prays God if you would if you would take this cup of suffering, of wrath, if you would let it pass, but if, if you're not gonna do that, I want your will, your will to be done. And I made this big point last week that in prayer we make our requests and surrender our wills, right, in prayer, we make our requests and surrender our wills, and I've I've met uh, some people um, where it's, it seems to be one or the other, you meet some people who, they're all about, hey, we're gonna ask God to do this, and God, I want that, and God's gonna do this, and and that's all good, right, that's, that's, that is a part of prayer, but they don't want as much to do with the surrendering their will to God, you know what I mean, it's like, oh, I don't know about all that. But God, I need this. Would you do that? And then there's other people that are on the opposite side where they're like, oh, man, I could I could never pray. No, 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 I don't even want to pray. Who am I to pray? God, just your will be done. God, I just want your will be done. I, no, 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 I don't want anything. Just your will. And it's like, no, 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 no. listen, listen, listen. In prayer, it's both and, not either or. It's both and, not either or. We God invites us into this relationship where what? Where we can make requests. We share our hearts. We have conversations with him. But he also invites us into a relationship where we what? Surrender our wills, surrender our lives to him. And that's what we see in this prayer known as the Gethsemane prayer. Today, we're going to be in John chapter 17, all right? John 17, and this is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer, or sometimes it's called the farewell prayer, we'll talk about why it's called those things in just a few moments. Would you do me a favor, would you pray with me? Let's, let's practice prayer for just a few moments, and as we enter in uh, God's word. Bye, guys, love you guys, um, as we enter in to God's word. God, we thank you so much for this day, we thank you for the Mother's Day, for being able to celebrate Um, with you in your presence, God. God, open our hearts, open our minds. Again, God, unlock deaf ears, and um, God, uh, would you soften hardened hearts this morning? God, would you draw us near to your son? Would you just pursue us with a reckless love that you have to offer, God? Would you bring us close to you, God, so that we might sense your presence. God, do a work in this church. God, bring lost people to you today. God, we forgive us of our sins, God, as we turn away and as we come to you, Lord. We ask that the spirit of God might have his way completely and holy, And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, so as we begin and we look at John 17 in a few more moments, not yet, but as we think about this prayer, I told you a few moments ago that this is called Jesus's high priestly prayer. Some of you are like, what does that mean? Why is it called that? Well, I want you to think about the Old Testament for just a moment. In the Old Testament, um, the high priest was actually someone who would enter into the temple or the tabernacle Once a year on the Day of Atonement, and what he would do is he would make sacrifices uh, on behalf of God's people to the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, the temple, the tabernacle, they, they were so significant. Why? Because theologians say that the temple was the place where heaven and earth collided. Isn't that amazing? We're just... Everyday average Joes could go into the presence of God. God would meet with them. It was incredible, and then they would offer up a sacrifice, and that sacrifice would atone or cover the sins of the nation of Israel. Aren't you glad you don't have to? Aren't you glad you didn't have to bring a goat with you this morning? Right? It's like, put that on social media. Hey, we'll be celebrating Mother's Day. Don't forget your goat, your sacrifice. I will not go to that church again, right? Aren't you so grateful for Jesus? Someone say amen. 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 Yes, I'm so grateful for Jesus. And so Jesus is our high priest. What does he do? He goes between us and the Father. He intercedes. And in John 17, what is Jesus doing? He's acting as our high priest. and He's praying for his people, for us. Isn't that awesome? Jesus praying for us. Isn't that cool? Man, that's awesome. So let's begin this morning by looking at the first four verses of John 17. If you don't have a Bible, it will be behind me on the big screen. For those watching online, it will show up there as well. John 17, 1-4 says this. After Jesus said this, he looked down or toward heaven and prayed, Father, here's this prayer, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Hold on to that verse, by the way. I'm going to talk a lot about that for you granted him authority over all people that he might give uh, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him now this is eternal life that you that that they know you the only true god who's the only true god church Jesus it's not allah it's not buddha it's not any other deities or demons there's a lot of so-called little G-gods. Just I just want to be clear here. Little G-gods, there's one true, mighty, true, real God, Jesus Christ, okay? Just so you know. And if you're here and you're worshiping a demon or another God, I want you to repent. I want you to turn away from him. Turn to the living God, Jesus Christ. Because what the demon has given you is only false hope of satisfying you but will never bring you true riches, true true uh, life. Jesus Christ can only do that. And if there's someone in here today who's worshiping a demon or false deity, I plead with you, turn from that deity and turn to Jesus. Amen? Amen? The only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world Began and so as we look at this prayer, the beginning of this prayer, um, you see the word glory show up a lot. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But um, as we look at this prayer, it's kind of cool because it's almost this behind-the-scenes picture of Jesus and His Father and Jesus praying in this intimate relationship that they have together. Now, this is a long prayer. I just want to warn you: this is a long prayer. It's like I think it's twenty-six verses. Or 24, somewhere around there. It's a long prayer. I want to make this accessible to all of you. I don't want you walking away saying, I didn't understand anything Pastor said. That was confusing. You too? Yeah, no. I don't want you to do that, okay? Because I know that's how you talk, right? I want to make this really easy for you, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to divide this prayer up into three sections. You got that? How many? Three. Three. Okay, good. Just want to make sure you're awake, you're engaging with me. Section number one, if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, just remember in your head, section number one is Jesus prays for himself, okay? Jesus prays for himself, okay? This is what the first four uh, verses are really pointing to, and I want you to notice that Jesus has asked his father, he says, uh, Father... Glorify my name, glorify me, and I will glorify you. Did you remember that line he says that? There's a lot of uses of glory there as well. So the Greek word for glory is doxa. Isn't that a cool word? Doxa. Learned that in church this, this weekend. You can tell your coworkers tomorrow, right? Doxa. I just walk into the, the break room. Doxa, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Glory, right? The Old Testament word I think is kavod or kabod. And uh, the Old Testament uh, word is referring to something that is weighty or heavy uh, that gives importance or significance. Okay, glory. Something weighty or heavy that gives importance or significance, right? Okay, now I'm going to give you a definition because I think this definition is, um, I think it's clear, I think it's helpful. Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary tells us this to give glory is to praise to recognize the importance of another, the weight, there it is, the weight, right, the other carries in the community, okay? So we're going to think about what Jesus has said and how this relates to us. So Jesus is essentially saying, Father, recognize my name, recognize my weightiness, my importance, my significance, and then I will in turn do the same for you. I will I will tell the world, I'll show the world how weighty you are, how glorious you are, how good you are, how important you are, how significant you are. Jesus, or, or God, my life will glorify you. In other words, Jesus is praying, God, I want everything in my life to point to you. God, I want my life to bring you glory. Now we'll talk about that more in just a few more moments. So just just hang with me, church. But let me just say this first. This is an amazing prayer. Um, I'm not sure if you prayed like this before, but um, first I want to say this: There's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. For yourself. There's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. Jesus's uh, prayer, right? The, the the Lord's prayer. What does Jesus do in Matthew six? He said we should pray for our what? Our daily bread, our provision, daily provision. We should pray that God would keep us from temptation. That's a good prayer. God, keep me faithful. Keep me faithful to my wife. Keep me faithful to my husband. Keep me faithful to you, God. I need your help because my, my heart wanders. Your heart wanders. We should pray for ourselves. Why? Because Jesus prayed for himself. Jesus prayed for himself, and yet, again, I've talked to some people who have told me in the past, I could never ask for for anything myself. Oh, no, I just feel way too guilty. Oh, no, no. What do you need prayer for, though? It's a little bit hyper-spiritual sometimes, if you ask me. And if we think that way, right, what we're doing is, listen, we're not understanding that God wants us to pray like Jesus, okay? God wants us to pray like Jesus, and if Jesus prayed for himself, guess what? We should pray for ourselves, okay? We should pray for ourselves. Now, there's a lot going on in these first four verses, but let me just highlight this one big thing, summarize everything here, and and it has to do with Jesus' request that his life might glorify his heavenly Father, okay? So Jesus prays, right? God, God, glorify my name. I'll glorify you. This begs the question for each of us. Now, we've got to bring that truth home to us, our real lives. This begs the question for all of us, and the question is this. What opportunities has God given you, me, to glorify him? What opportunities has God given you to glorify him? Now, God, how can my life bring you glory? That's what we should be praying, Okay. Now, here's the good news. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary or a Sunday school teacher, right, to live a life that glorifies God. Some of you are like, whew, right? The good news is, listen, no matter what you do, God has called you to live a life that glorifies, that honors him. Some of you, I asked a, a few moments ago, do we have any teachers in here? We had a few people raise their hands. If you're a teacher, God wants you to glorify him in your vocation daily. If you're a nurse, God wants you to glorify Him with the way that you care for people, the way that you do your job. If you're a CPA, God wants you to bring Him honor in the way that you do your CPA in, okay? If you're an insurance agent and you're selling insurance and you're making people, making sure people are covered and their cars are covered and their pools are covered and their iPhones are covered, everything is covered to make sure we're ready for the apocalypse or the purge. Remember, I'm not sure which will happen first, okay. God wants you to honor him by selling that insurance, okay. Maybe you're a car salesman. We need more godly car salesmen, don't we. I need you to give me a good deal on that traverse next year when I'm looking, all right? <laughs> God wants us to honor our, honor him with our lives no matter what we do, okay? No matter, that's the good news, no matter what you do. Now, the bad news, there's a little bit of bad news, I should say, but I wanna tell you because this is the truth. The bad news is this. You, you might think of it as bad news anyways. God may call you to glorify him in suffering, in hardship, and injustice. Now, why would I say that? Because that's very offensive to the American way, to the American dream. It's like I just want my stuff. I don't want to suffer. I want a good life, prosperity. How dare you, Pastor Marco, tell me that God may call me to honor him, glorify him in suffering, hardship, injustice. Why would I say that? I say that because what? Because God called Jesus to do that. And the way that Jesus would glorify his Father is by going to the cross. He experienced hardship, suffering, and injustice. He was innocent, by the way, if you didn't know that, right? He took the penalty of our sins upon him, the world. He went in our place. But even in the death of Jesus, even in his death, even in his suffering, Jesus glorified his father. Isn't that amazing? Gosh, let that be said of me, even on my dying day, my my deathbed, my my life, in the moments before I'm going to pass, would would honor God, glorify him. Whether, Whether God chooses to keep me here on the earth for many more years, or he chooses to take me in a short amount of time. I don't I don't know that, and you don't know that. But may it be said of us that our lives would honor and bring him glory. So the prayer that we pray, the way that we think about this is, God, how can my life bring you glory? Think about that. You're going to think about that today, hopefully the rest of the week. The next section of Scripture is verses 6 through 19. It's a long section But I would like you to to just hang with me. We're going to read the whole thing, all right? Verse number 6. I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. That's the mark of a true disciple, by the way, is they accept the words of God. They accepted them. They knew with certainty That I came from you. In other words, they know Jesus is the son of God. And they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world. But for those that you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer. He's going to die soon, right? But they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. By the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I think he's talking about Judas here. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that... They may have the full message of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has loved them. No, the world has not loved them. The world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am not of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. It means to make holy sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world, for I sanctify myself, and they too may be truly sanctified, there's a lot there I know, a lot of sanctifies in there, okay, a a lot of big language, so section number one, Jesus prays for himself, right, section number two, Jesus prays for his disciples, okay, now, the disciples Jesus is talking about are those in the immediate context that are with him in that time. But, I mean, the application is for all of us, just so you know. It really applies to every single one of us today. Now, there's a lot to say, but I want to point out just a few dif- different things for you guys, okay? Um, the first thing I want to point out is number, verse number 9. Um, do you remember Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world? Do you remember that line? I'm not praying for the world. Now, I want to be clear here that Jesus is not saying, uh, I'm I'm not praying for the people of the world. Jesus is not saying he doesn't love all people. He's not saying, because here's the truth, God loves all people, all tribes, all colors of skin, all nations, all ethnicities. God loves the world, all cultures, okay? He wants all people to come repent and come to a saving knowledge of who he is, okay? Here's what I want to point out to you. When Jesus says says this. When he says the word world, it's referring to uh, demonic powers that are behind political systems. Worldly demonic powers that are behind world economies. World demonic powers that are behind the kingdoms of this world. Okay, Because here's here's the thing I want you to know. In the New Testament, the word world has about seven different senses. What does that mean? Well, let me explain. Here's what we know about language. We know that when we look at a word, there's the word on the page that we see, but there's what the word means. Make sense? So think of the word trunk. Okay, trunk. You don't know what I mean unless I give you context. Am I talking about the trunk of an elephant? Am I talking about a tree trunk? Am I talking about the trunk in my car? Right? It's used in many different ways, and unless I give you some context, you're not sure what this means. In the same way, 1 John 2.15, I believe, um, John says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. What is John saying? John saying, listen, we're called to love all people, but we're not called to love demonic forces in the heavenly realm. Okay, So Jesus is simply saying, I'm not aligning myself with the world's systems that are controlled by demonic forces, Paul says, principalities, authorities, spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. He says, I'm praying for my disciples. I want to be clear to you so that way you know uh, what this message means. What I want to do is I want to focus this on the last four verses, okay? Look at verse number 15 again. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Okay, I want to talk about two big things here. Again, I don't have two hours to to um, really pull this apart, but I have about 20 minutes, okay? So, here's what I want to do. I want to focus on two things here. This first aspect that Jesus says, listen, F- uh, Father, don't... don't um, don't take your disciples out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. And I want to talk to you about this in regards to eschatology, in regards to our end times theology, how we view end times, the end times. Specifically, I want to talk to you in regards to the rapture. Okay, What is the rapture, Marco? I don't know what that means. I'm new to church. No problem. The rapture simply speaks of God's people being caught up with him in the air on the day Jesus returns, upon Jesus' arrival, okay? What I want to point out to you um, is this is so important because how we view the end times determines how we live out our faith, okay? How we view the end times determines how we live out our faith. Also, I want to say this, this is really important. The central theme of Christian eschatology is not escapism, but mission, okay? The central theme of Christian eschatology is not escapism, but mission. This is going to rub some of you the wrong way, and that's okay. It's okay to learn new things in church, okay? So what what does that mean, Marco? That means this. That means if you're just waiting around for Jesus to take you, right, you're doing it wrong. God wants you to what? To live your life on mission, with a mission. You have a mission. I have a mission so if your bags are already packed, you got fresh undies on, right, you're ready for the rapture, God, take me, right? Um, yeah, no, okay. You're doing it wrong. Jesus wants us to live a life on mission. Did you know this, that God is not as concerned about taking us to heaven as he is about getting heaven into us. Some people will ask, when will the rapture happen, Pastor Marco. Pre-tribulation, when it gets all bad, when all hell breaks loose on the earth, mid-tribulation, or after the tribulation? And I will say, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't don't know the answer to that. There are several different views, and they're all within the Christian faith. They're they're not heresy. They're orthodox. I I don't know the answer to that. But I will say this. Did you know that a pre-tribulation rapture has not been taught, right, prior to the last 150 years? What does that mean? That means it's a fairly new doctrine. That's what it means. The church fathers, the early church fathers in the end of first century and second century didn't believe in this rapture, this pre-tribulation rapture. Okay. Did you know this also, that a pre-tribulation rapture is only taught in America? <laughs> Why? Why is that important? Because I think it suits our comfort and our escapism, I think. A pre-tribulation rapture was made popular by the Schofield Study Bible. Maybe some of you are familiar with that. John Nelson Darby and dispensationalism. Or you'll know this one, I promise you will, left behind. Everybody knows this. God bless Nick Nolte and Kirk Cameron, right? So That's an American thing, kind of. That's a newer thing, right? It's not really what the early church fathers have believed. It's more of an American theology than it is biblical, Right? So, Jesus is saying, listen, he doesn't want us to escape from all the harm, that we might be what? Protected within it. So that we would live our lives on mission, not afraid of everybody, but in the world, living for Jesus, pointing to Jesus, right? That's what God wants us to do. So, when we pray, we should be thinking about this question How can I be a missionary in my sphere of influence? You can put that point up. How can I be a missionary in my sphere of influence? In other words, church, who around you is hungry for spiritual things? Who around you is hurting and you can pray for them, okay? Who around you, you, you you're sensing that God is opening a door for you to share your faith or share your testimony. You're living your life on mission. That's what it means. How can you live your life on mission for Jesus, right? Now, as you begin to ask those questions, listen, God is faithful to answer them. I promise you. The next thing I want to highlight is verse 17. It says this, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Let's just leave that verse up for a few moments if you wouldn't mind. Okay, so we're called to be missionaries, right? But we're also called... To the truth. Both and, not if, not either, or. We're called to be missionaries. We're also called to the truth. Now, church, here's what I want to say. That means if God's word is true, here's what this logically means. If God's word is true, that means there are other things that are false. You understand what I'm saying? You can't have everything just be true because then what? There's no such thing as real truth. If God's word is true, there are other things that are false. And so, what do I want to say about this? That means this. That means there's false teaching. There's false doctrine. There's heresy. There's the lies of our culture. There's destructive ideologies. There's deception. And if you are not a disciple who is in the word of God, the truth of God, you're likely to fall for those things and believe in those things. You're likely to side with more of political ideologies than you are the gospel. You're likely to side with more, maybe certain uh, culturally acceptable, what would be deemed as truths instead of the truth of God's word. You're You're gonna fall for those lies. Deception, right? Paul says this, don't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments or deceptive philosophies. Colossians speaks of this, right? We're all in danger of this, myself included. Here's the point. God calls us to mission without compromising the truth. God calls us to mission without compromising the truth. And some of us want to reach people so bad, I think the heart of it is really good. But we end up compromising the truth to be accepted or liked by people. Does that make sense? Last section, 20 through 26. You guys have been so amazing. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may know, that, or that, I'm sorry, that they may be one as we are one. That's, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. I and them and, and you and me so that you may be brought to complete unity. Oh, Jesus is flowing here, isn't he? It's like a, a little bit of rap going on here. I don't know if you noticed that, but freestyle. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved, you can laugh, it's okay. You have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want... Section number one, Jesus prays for himself. Section number two, Jesus prays for his disciples. Section number three, write this down, Jesus prays for all believers. Jesus prays for all believers. And there's a lot to unpack. We don't have the time for a two-hour message, okay? Most of you would be sleeping, perhaps, anyways. And so here's the big thing I want to say from this, though. The big theme here is unity. Unity. Okay. The big theme here is unity. Um, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Right? It's unity. Um, Jesus says something similar in John 13:35, um, just a few chapters before this. Notice what Jesus says. He says, "By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another." So there needs to, in, in order for in order for there to be unity in the church, and let's just let's just pick on our church because well, that's why we're here. In order for there to be unity in the our church, there has to be love. Correct. There has to be. You cannot have unity without love. And I I love what Jesus says here because Jesus doesn't say that the world would know us by our political affiliations, right? Jesus doesn't say that the world would uh, know us by our church services. I'm a church guy, so it kind of bums me out a bit, but, you know. Jesus doesn't say the world would know we're disciples because of our outreach. Now, we love outreach, and we'll continue to do outreach. We'll, we'll continue to fund outreach in our city, absolutely. But he doesn't say that. Jesus says the world will know you by your love for one another. Why is this so important, so critical? Why is it so compelling Because I would argue that this is supernatural. A group of people that love one another? That's crazy. Have you not turned on the news, anyone? Anybody? We're mostly attracted to people who look like us and talk like us. And we can just admit that. It's okay. It's human nature. So we like to be around sames. We don't like differences. It's all of us. So when the world sees the church loving one another despite all of our differences, it's compelling. Because why? It's highly unusual in our world and in our nation. In a world and nation, we are deeply divided right now. Perhaps more so than ever. You see it on the news. Red states, blue states, and there's serious division right now. People flocking from certain states to move to other states. I mean, it's bad right? We are seriously divided right now. In a church in a world I should say that's deeply divided, Jesus prays for what for unity that the church might be unified. but I think there's something else behind this and here's what I think if we can't get along with one another, why should the world, Take us seriously. If we can't even get along us, right here, if we can't even do this thing called church, called mission, called living for Jesus, if we can't get along with one another, why should anyone take us seriously? Just close the doors. We're done. It's like, forget it, man. All right? I mean, no one wants to be a part of a church where they're always fighting and backbiting and... There's disunity and we're fighting about, you know, the color of the carpet. and Why doesn't Pastor Marco do a 40-week series on Revelation? I'm going to a different church. Why doesn't Adam play more hymns? Ah, I love contemporary. I love hymns. No, I hate you. No, I hate you. No, you're Satan. No, you're Satan. It's like, man, I don't want to be a part of that church, right? It's like, man, that's a terrible church, right? Notice what Paul says in Galatians here. He says this, Galatians 5 15 and 16. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say the solution, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify what? The desires of your flesh. And I want to point out, church, to you this morning that Paul in this letter, he's not writing to unbelievers, he's writing to the church. And if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever, you can just be like, ha <laughs> silly Christians. This doesn't apply to me, Pastor Margot. It doesn't, you're right. So for the Christians in here, this applies to us. He's not talking to the unbelievers, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to us, us. Guys, do you see this? Us. If we can't be united, how do we serve our community? How do we point anyone to Jesus? All we do is fight. Well, you vote this way, I vote that way. Well, I hate you. Well, you hate me too. Well, okay. Well, fine. I'm going to another church where everybody thinks like me. Come on, I'm preaching right now. I'm about to leave my notes here. I'm going to start to preach right here. Come on. I'm going to get in your grill. I'm about to get in your grill. Make room for the pastor, right? Because, listen, this is the, this is the message. If we can't even get along, why would the world take us seriously? Why would anyone take us seriously? See, wow, I mean, here's what I wrote in my notes, you guys. A church too busy fighting about inconsequential things to make a difference is an ineffective church. So if you're looking for a church where you want everyone to think like you, it's not here. To everyone to dress like you and have your same philosophy and beliefs of every single thing, of the way life should be lived, it's probably not gonna be here. Because God is calling us to what? Unity despite our differences. We have to what? Come around the lordship and the kingship of our Jesus. King Jesus. Right? right? The truth of God's word. And I don't care. Some of you are offended. I don't even care right now. Okay? You want a church where everybody thinks like you, talks like you, and I get it. Okay? This is not the New Testament. It's not what's in God's word. Just so you know, open the Bible yourself and read it. Okay? read it right I'm good at March I'm sick of cultural Christianity I'm sick of it I am so fed up with people checking the box of religiosity it's garbage I want our church to be united under the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ, the kingship of Jesus, a group of people passionate for his name, who love to worship, who love to read the word, who are who are not looking to pick a fight with every other believer. Send me a message on Facebook. Why did you say that? Why didn't you do that? But who are ready to be on mission for God's calling of their lives. Right? That's what the scripture is calling us to, right? And I am calm, I promise you. <laughs> and I do love you, but I'm also your pastor and I get to get in your grill once in a while. So. And so um, we're going to wrap this up because I'm tired of screaming at you. So, <laughs> three, three questions um, for us to think about as we pray, okay? Three questions. These are really practical, I promise you guys, okay? Number one, how can my life glorify God? How can Troy's life glorify God? How can Stefan's life glorify God? How can Victoria's life glorify God? How can Tracy's life glorify God, honor the Father? How can Marco's life glorify God? Just, will you think about that for yourself just this week? A second question is this, is how can God use me as a missionary um, in my sphere of influence? Everyone has a sphere of influence. Some of you, um, and I see some of you on Instagram, you have followers and you have a little platform, people are listening to you, and, and and how can God use that to point to Him? Amen. Right, Amen. missionary. Number three, final question: God, um, am I loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? we're going to close here in just a moment. And it's been a long service. We've had a lot. But I can't really cut my message down anymore, okay. So I want to pray for you, though, here. And if there's someone in here and you're not following Jesus, number one, I don't always yell at everybody. So just, okay. (laughs) Number two, um, I said something earlier, and I felt like the spirit, drop it in my heart. If you're following a demon, if you're following a false god, man, I want you to turn from that. Turn from that. I don't know if there's someone in here. And I'm not going to call you up, so don't even worry about it. Just chill. Someone in here following a false doctrine or false ideology. and It's like seeped into your Christianity. And now you're more, you know, left than you are gospel. You're more right than you are gospel. You're more whatever it is, okay. Whatever it is for you. But if you're following a false deity, that's not the one true God and I know that sounds offensive because we live in a pluralistic society where everybody says, um, well, we're all just taking a different path, but we're getting to the same place. Eh! That's, that's, not, that's not right. No. It's actually logically, like, incorrect anyways if you, like, get down to it. That's assuming that all religions teach the same thing. There's an, there's an underlying assumption there which is not even true. All religions do not teach the same thing. How can it be that we're all in the same or we're all on different paths headed to the same thing? It's just, it's not possible, okay? And I know that's offensive to maybe a, f- a few of you in here, but I, I, my job is to tell you the truth because I believe that the truth sets you free. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the truth. He loves you. He, he, I just feel compelled to give you the gospel right now. Jesus came from heaven and he laid his life down for you, for you. doesn't matter what you did yesterday. doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. He laid his life down for you when you couldn't get to God. God came to you in Jesus, right? He came to you. He came to you, right? And because of his sacrifice, the blood that was shed, right, he's made a way now. Because why? In your own works, in your own good deeds, you you could never get there. And I couldn't get there either. So listen, I point the finger at myself as well. I couldn't get there, but God came to me. He threw me a lifeline, and the lifeline was named Jesus. And God's throwing a lifeline down to you. And if you would hear the voice of the Lord today, don't turn from it. If you would hear the voice of the Lord right now, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day, God says, I want you to turn from sin, turn from demons, turn from false ideologies, and I want you to repent, to turn away and turn to Jesus Christ, you today. Listen, I'm going to talk to you. We can talk after service. Troy's here, our elder. We want to pray with you. We've got people that want to, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to condemn you. We're just going to pray with you. We're going to congratulate you. We're going to talk with you. We're going to love you where you're at. Maybe you're in a giant mess right now. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe you've, uh, whatever it is, it's like, Marco, I was like in witchcraft the, the other week. I was playing the Ouija board and I was summoning demons, Marco. I don't know. No, no, no. Listen, God is calling you you his lifeline is named Jesus maybe it's new age and you got crystals in your in your car or whatever it is and you're worshipping crystals and you got you got some some wild things going on I don't know what you're doing but right I Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the lord of lords he's the way the truth and the life and the gospel tells us that no one can come to the father but through Jesus let me pray for you this this morning Love you guys. You're an incredible church. We are an incredible church. We're making a difference in our city. And I yell at you because I love you. <laughs> so let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the name of Jesus. Jesus, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. God, sanctify us by your word. Make us holy holy God we want to be a holy people God I don't think any of my friends in here want to ever go through the motions I think there's more there's other things they could be doing they could be golfing watching tv um going on a trip fishing Uh, no one really wants to go through the motions so God would you would you just meet us in this place God meet us in this place and God I pray if there's someone in here right now who's not following you God Today is the day of salvation. The Apostle Paul might say, Today is the day of salvation. Come to me. The voice of the living God says, Come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, all who have been trying to work themselves to heaven, all who have tried to, be, who've gained, tried, tried to gain their way to heaven. Come to me, and you'll find rest in Jesus. So, God, Thank you for the promise of Jesus. Thank you for the life of Jesus. God, we thank you that Paul says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, God, we pray that this church might love one another. We pray that radiant God would would live a life on mission. We're not simply packing our bags waiting to get evacuated. God, I pray that we would be missionaries, God, in our, in our, our schools, God, in our places of work. Wherever we find ourselves, God, send us out. We thank you for your work. Spirit of God, I believe you're moving right now. A few more moments, church. Just a few more moments. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm sensing you right now. Spirit of God, move. Spirit of God, move right now. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we clap our hands for King Jesus? Amen. (laughs)